Today we have two guests, uh, recurring guests from our Berserk episode. We have Josh and Archie here today to discuss uh, what's quite a new topic for Aiden, at least, but uh, very familiar for the rest of us. Um, that is, well, the Astartes short web series of uh, animated shorts, which are absolutely fantastic and now available on Warhammer Plus, as we'll, we all get into. But uh, yeah, I think this is just more of a jumping off platform for a wider discussion on the Warhammer 40k as a universe. and. Uh, you know, also wider Warhammer discussion because I think uh, we've, we're all consuming, you know, we have for many years consumed a lot of the Warhammer content, be it fantasy or, or uh, 40k, and that they are relatively intertwined. So, yeah, I think if we just dive in, I guess. So, a- Aiden, how, how did you find watching Astartes as, as we did sort of choose it as a sort of, as I said, a best sort of jumping off platform for, for getting into the world? I mean, you, you, you've sold me, that, that's for sure. And, you know, I had no idea what it was um, until I actually started watching it and kind of, again, I think even though I've never dealt with Warhammer before, mm-hmm. I, I've seen the aesthetics, I've seen, you know, the characters that you can have mm-hmm. in it. So I, I kind of recognised it straight away. But, um, yeah, it was completely different to what I thought it was going to be. But it was it was incredible. It was, you know, especially afterwards, I kind of had a look behind where it came from and so forth. And, it's incredible that someone put that together and mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was beautifully animated. Like at first I wasn't actually sure cause it looks that clean. It's yeah. so good. Um, I've got some notes on it as, as we go along, but yeah, I was, I was really impressive. It, um, definitely. I think if you wanted to sell this to someone like myself, who's never, you know, interacted with Warhammer before, this is the way to do it. You know, mm. I, I definitely, you know, today will be really interesting for me just to hear, lore a bit more about it and um yeah kind of go from there so um yeah. i think really for you three it's going to be talking about where it kind of impacted you and where it all started from mm. and, and on that not that topic uh i think archie do you, want, do you want to go first in terms of uh how has warhammer yeah. 40k um, sort of impacted you because i know it has a, a as i I'll just put in, in, in as a forenote is that it's, it was sort of the foundation for our our friendship i guess yeah, yeah. I mean, my well, I, I thought it was Dev Sex to be honest. But, you seem to think that, but uh, I, that's not how I remember things. That's not how okay, I remember things. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I honestly couldn't tell you how it started. I can't remember the specifics of it, but I discovered it at least in book form. Um, oh wait, no, I can remember. There's this guy back in Greece called Fred, um, mm-hmm. who was a friend of mine. He also was obsessed with RuneScape, but he was also a huge fan of Warhammer. And he did the models, which I didn't like. I wasn't. I didn't care about that. But I read his lore books, and the lore was just like nothing I'd ever experienced before. And it was just amazing. And we, I remember having arguments with him because he'd be like, we'd be talking about like which fantasy army would win, and he'd always insist that every Warhammer army would wreck everything else. And I'd be like, no, the elves from Lord of the Rings would win, even though <laughs> by nature of what Warhammer is, Warhammer cannot be beat. Really, you know, by design they're extreme. They're parodic of other things. They they're designed to just be so ridiculously over the top that nothing compares. But anyway, as I was saying, um, then I brought it over to, well, I didn't bring it over, it was already in the UK. But anyway, I came over to the UK and Math was there at school and I gave him the Space Wolves Omnibus. The Space Wolves Omnibus, the very famous Space yeah. Wolves Omnibus. Which yes. wasn't great, to be fair. I, I enjoyed it, I will say, yeah, like, I enjoyed it. That's, that's more, it's more from a pretentious lit perspective that it wasn't great. It was actually really entertaining. Yeah. Really, really entertaining. Um, and it, it was, you know, like having read all the, the wikis for the Space Wolves now, they clearly 
he's clearly the expert. The guy who wrote the omnibus is clearly the sort of foundation for the mm -hmm. Space Wolves. Yeah. And I've also read, much to my shame now, the Ultramarines omnibus series, which is utterly pathetic, as we'll explain later. In, um, but other than that, it's just been, like, I think with Josh and you, Nath, it's just mainly just been reading a monstrous amount of Wikipedia articles. Well, wiki articles. And yeah. watching YouTube videos, you know, like, mm -hmm. unless you play the, the handheld stuff, the, the miniature, your, your only real way to experience them is to look up more, you know, like, sadly. Yeah, um, yeah. Sure. I, the I, occasional I, game exists, but it's just mainly just the lore. I mean, there are tons of books, obviously, but if you don't read, it's just wiki articles. Yeah, I mean, what, 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 about, what, about, what about you, Josh? How, how, how's that sort of, how did it come about for you? Because I think you sort of adopted it the earliest out of all of us, I think, and you did actually yeah. did soon the model, model painting, yeah, right? Yeah, I came in, I think, from the other the other end from Archie, rather than uh, having that annoying friend that was talking about how amazing 40K was. I was that annoying friend talking about how amazing <laughs> 40K was. Uh, yeah, I collected the miniatures uh, with another friend when I was... A wee lad, and every Christmas you'd get a ridiculously overpriced box of plastic miniatures which you would make and then battle your uh, battle your friend with. But the thing that got me into uh, the universe of 40k wasn't the little miniatures. It was the fact that every army had its own codex book. In fifth edition, you had a codex for every single army. And after a while, I stopped collecting the miniatures and started collecting the codexes instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and gathered a, a collection of all the all the different codexes for all the different armies, read all the old short stories about them, all the lore behind them, and went, hmm, this is much more uh, financially feasible and much better than buying miniatures every single time. Yeah. And so threw away the miniatures, sold them to some guy on eBay for a disgusting amount of money, uh, and just started reading k books and uh, 40k wiki articles instead and watching amazing 40k animations like Astartes. oh yeah of course yeah I, I think we should probably uh <laughs> elaborate on uh, what Astartes is as it is you know sort of full of frame of reference for this conversation it is sort of the jumping off point as a as a yeah. wider for a wider discussion but Astartes is effectively a uh, a short um whereas i think it's about the entire series you know sort of series of shorts or episodes is about 12 minutes long I think so. 13 it's minutes exactly. 13 minutes exactly. Well, no, said approximately, approximately. Well, so basically 12 minutes then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's 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 relatively short short space of time, but um, what he packs into that, I believe, it's produced by a um a New Zealand uh, animator who's subsequently been hired by um, uh, Games Workshop officially for, to work on Warhammer Plus content with the Astartes label. No, as we haven't mentioned, Games Workshop are the ones responsible for Warhammer Fantasy 40k. Mm -hmm. They own the brand. They are the IP. They are the company behind them. Yeah, so they they are um, <laughs> quite litigious, shall we say, as they've uh, recently released a whole up sort of update to their content policy. So I don't know if it'll affect us in any way, but uh, touch wood, it doesn't. <laughs> is that they are yeah. quite uh, any sort of one person sort of using um, Warhammer IP or, or ideas, so like uh, iconography or these sort of concepts of a space marine and stuff like that. Anything remotely sort of resembling the Warhammer Forty K universe can be subject to a lot of uh, copyright. <laughs> As Josh is pointing out, can potentially uh, be seen as misuse of, of yes, potentially, potentially. I'll have to wait and see if that does rise up as an issue. Uh, I should probably know as a law graduate, but uh, I think uh, yes. Uh, the Games Workshop are a British-based company, and so they've been developing uh, Warhammer, Warhammer 40k, Blood Bowl, um, 
for, for, for decades now. I mean, um, yeah, it's been a while. I think 40K has been around since the 80s almost. So like the, 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 yeah. the initial sort of uh, seedlings of the world that, that is the 41st millennia as we know it now. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I think uh, Studies is, is a superbly animated um, short short animation series. And, and for a community online of people who enjoy Warhammer 40K content like we do, so maybe not enjoying the game as much, but more for the investment in the universe itself, there's very little ways, as we've mentioned, to actually engage with it. And so to have high quality content like Astartes that represents the world in such a great way in an engaging... Made by one person. Made by one person. Affiliated with Games Workshop, to make that clear. Mm. And to have one person create such a fantastic work and really make, you know, it, it has millions of views, the original, so really reaching a new audience with this, with these uh, presentations, you know, the, the, there's a thirst for that, right? In the community, the people want cool representations of Space Marines and and the Warhammer 40k universe, but Games Workshop for some reason doesn't leverage that. So stuff yeah. like Astartes means even more to a very passionate fan base, and you know it, it's pieces like Astartes that get people into the you know concept of, of, of Warhammer as a whole. Yeah, the thing that strikes me, and I was I mentioned this to Nathaniel earlier today, is that I feel like while Astartes, this is my personal response to it, I could be completely wrong as I have been in the past. Um, my personal response to Astartes watching it now for the millionth time is that it's actually not actually very beginner friendly it doesn't explain anything it doesn't tell you what the space marines are it doesn't tell you who they're fighting it doesn't tell you why they're two human factions against each other it doesn't explain what that giant golden thing is it just sort of shows it to you and expects you to know what it is already which works for fans but for aiden did you not just oh my 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 final note on on this after watching it was i need to know so much more of what's going on (laughs) like like you said if you it made you interested yeah it it hooked me because i think and and you know it depends on if it was intentional or not but the almost enigma behind a lot of what was going on did kind of draw me because i was like i I remember you know watching it and talking about being like okay i was following it but then i was like okay so different factions I kind mm. of pinned that and again I don't think unless you were paying proper attention you'd have noticed that mm. but I you know yeah. fortunately I noticed that um, yeah. but yeah then like you know that huge orb thing that you know sucked the uh, marine in I was like what the hell is going on right now <laughs> I was like this yeah, is I cool I, I don't think a lot of people are actually aware of what that orb is there's debate about it but he doesn't specify and he never really explained what it was and okay. from what most people can tell it's just really 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 old lore like or not old as much as untouched and not really developed on he, mm. he deliberately picked something obscure and created debate around it Okay, I mean that that works, but yeah, yeah. I, mean, I had no idea what it was. Josh didn't. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I was going to say that, that that even for veteran, you know, well, I'd say veteran. I'm going to be veteran, but I've, I've you know I've been around with the franchise for decades, so you know I'm aware of the warp and all that sort of things and what to expect yeah. from the Warhammer 40k world. That the orb is uh is unusual to say the least, and and yeah, and yeah. So I think it's cool how he's almost introducing potentially new sort of corridors for the world to go down through it. Something which I didn't realize up until now. Um, up until earlier today, is that the chapter, the Space Marine chapter he shows, is made up completely. It's not a real chapter. Yeah, I did know that. I did yeah. know that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, which is cool as hell. Um, I'm not sure how um, the TG fans, Josh, would, um, <laughs> would uh, react to that or react to the idea of Games Workshop now. You know, have hired him. Would would if they would, for example, make these new chapters canon? TG would not be pleased about it, but I don't know. I feel like outside perspectives are always. You, you think they would be pleased? They one hundred percent would be. TG getting one of their homebrew chapters codified mm. in Games Workshop canon. 
Wait, is that a is that a Humber, is that a yeah. homebrew TG canon? I, I, it's yeah. just a homebrew chapter. I mean, homebrew um, chapters are just any chapter that people come up with of their own volition, yeah. like games yeah. that already own. And as far as homebrew chapters go, like what was the name of his one? Redemptor or something? I'm not entirely sure. Redemptor. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. a cool name. I think or, it was the Redemptus. Uh, I think. Clearing. Yeah. That's as far as homebrew chapters go. That's a pretty good basis, and they have yeah. a pretty good design philosophy. There yeah. are some other. <laughs> custom made chapters the significantly looser foundation that's true so i think uh I think those ones getting made canon is very good okay um aiden for context the space marine faction are split up into various chapters which were okay. created by the primarch star it just it just it just kind of um what's the word oh, i've forgotten the word completely it just skyrockets you know it just spirals it, it spirals you, yeah spirals you you want to explain the board behind you to explain everything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, so like, Josh, I think you'd probably be best to explain this. I feel like I get lost or muddled. Just explain um, what the space marine chapters are in simple. I feel like you're better uh, at this than I am. But uh, in the old days of of yore, there were a ton of space marines, like gigantic planet-wide armies of them. Then an unfortunate thing happened called the Horus Heresy, and most of them ended up dying. Fulgrim did nothing or, wrong. Or, or moving over to chaos, which we'll get to. We don't talk about that. Uh, no, yes, uh, we do. <laughs> uh, the ones that were left over to try and make sure that something called this this heresy couldn't ever happen again, uh, to make sure that there wasn't this much military power under the hands of one war master. They were all split under different generals. These generals were the primarchs. They were like, okay, we're going to split these uh, primarch collections into further divisions. Okay. Uh, to try and keep the, the collections of space marines as small as possible, so that you couldn't have some giant megalomaniac running around with a bunch of super soldiers. Uh, the Redeemers, as far as I'm aware, are just... I don't know which Primarch they're allied to. They wouldn't be allied to one, but they would operate entirely like of their own volition, yeah. under whatever um, chaplain or chapter master they would have. So you don't Is really it... need to know which Primarch they're attached to. They're their own mercenary band, if you will. But... Okay. Are yeah. allied to the Imperium. The Imperium being the main human faction in the world. Mm -hmm. the Imperium okay, of cool. Man, yeah, very, so... very fanatically racist. Well, I... much a parody of ultra far right ideologies now. It's it's funny because it's funny you mention that, Archie, because they recently had they had to put out that um a community yeah, post. Yeah, that's, that's why I was thinking about it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Warhammer is, is about love, not hate. Was that what they said? Was it, is, Warhammer... it's, it's basically some guy at a Spanish tournament would frequently come dressed as a, a Hitler, basically. And um, this spoke to a wider issue of um, various alt-right and um, white nationalist groups adopting, like, um, Warhammer 40k imagery, like, for example, God Emperor Trump, um, which was unironically used by actual Trump supporters. Um, mm. uh, you know, and, they, and, uh, and as, you know, it's, it's ironic because the Imperium of Man is a parody of those ideologies. It's an extreme take. It's the logical conclusion to that extremism. And for some reason, they've decided to adopt what is basically making fun of them as their sort of imagery, which is, which is funny, you know. But anyway, Games Workshop doesn't support that and has obviously doesn't support that. Well, actually, you, you don't know about the individuals because they're scum, but we'll get to that. But, um, <laughs> the, company, the, the, the company, obviously in today's day and age would obviously have to stop to, 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 to say something against that. And so they did. I, I, I really hate Games Workshop as most supporters of Warhammer, like fans of Warhammer do, because they're just 
They're capitalist bastards. That's what they are. Well, I mean, yeah. If, if, <laughs> I, I think I think as well. Um, the the fact that their share price has gone up like a thousand percent over the whole lockdown yeah. and everything. And the yeah. fact that they've locked uh, community-made content like Astartes behind a paywall now yeah. is yeah. is effectively, well, professionally known as a dick move. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, I think it, it, it's hard when you're so invested in a world because, you know, I think, as we've mentioned, that there's the Imperium of Man, but the Warhammer 40k in, 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 in its entirety is sort of like Gears of War, as we've covered, a grim, dark world. So, like, it's, it's very apocalyptic, uh, very, uh, very desolate and, and very, very dark. And yeah. um, so it's not just the Imperium Man that's terrible. There's the Orcs who are just amazing, uh, the best faction in the game. Um, Arguable. <laughs> well, I mean, they're probably enjoying the world the most, to be quite honest. Yeah. But, um, yeah, well, yeah. but there's there's great many memes about Orcs. Um, but the Warhammer 40k uh, just community in general makes some fantastic memes. But um, uh, yeah, and then there's the Eldar who are like a, a dying sort of uh, elf-like race, effectively, who are sort of live on these craft worlds, uh, these enormous sort of traveling cities. Um, there's the Dark Eldar who are just perverts. Um, then there's... Uh, They're literally perverts. Traitors. Yeah, quite literally. They're literally um, sexual degenerates. Mm. Then there's the Tau who are communists. Um, <laughs> and for the greater good. For the greater good. The greater good. Um, <laughs> I always just think of Hot Fuzz for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just think of all these, these Tau just going, the greater good. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, uh, and then there's um, chaos, right? So there's the whole factions of chaos, as we'll get into, because uh, you know I know we've got Warhammer Total War Warhammer Three coming out, which I think yeah. we're all relatively excited for in our own different ways. But uh, that's yeah. part of the more Warhammer world rather than Warhammer Forty K. But it's all sort of intertwined yeah. in terms of the chaos being the same. So there's a well, four. I mean, Nurgle is finally going to get the spotlight, which means a lot to me personally. Yes, I know Archie's a big fan <laughs> of, of Papa Nurgle. Um, yeah. But effectively, the, the, the four chaos gods um, are uh, Nurgle, as we said, the Lord of Pestilence. Uh, yeah, the Slan oldest of the chaos gods. The oldest of the chaos gods. Uh, Slanesh, uh, the youngest of the chaos gods, and was created by the Eldar in uh, galactic wide uh, uh, orgy, <laughs> effectively. Yeah. <laughs> With a psychic feedback of which did just destroyed reality, effectively. Um, Isn't that the reason the warp fell apart because of the birth of Slanesh, basically? Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, psych the psychic yeah, feedback yeah. of of Slanesh's birth, even consuming all the souls of billions of Eldar, basically like ripped yeah. reality in half. Um, yeah, yeah. So very, very cool, very, very cool entrance to existence if yeah. you think about it. But um, then there's my favorite, uh, Corn, uh, <laughs> blood, blood for the blood, blood god, gods. skulls for the skull fern. Uh, so he's the, the the chaos god of war. Um, he has uh, the word, word eaters and uh, mm. as his as his faction of choice in the chaos space marines. But um, and then there's also Josh's favorite. Uh, uh, how do you pronounce it? Zinch. 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 of schemes, magic, and lore. Yeah. Absolutely uh, pathetic. Like of the four chaos gods. Yeah. Wait, Josh, I have a question. Thousand Sons is his uh, traitor legion. Is it the one, uh, has one legion associated with them? Then is it plague bearers or is it Lords of Silence for Nurgle? You get the the Death Guard, right? Yeah. Yeah, Mortarian's Death, Death Guard. I, think, I feel like the Lords of Silence are within the Death Guard. I read a book about this recently called the Lords of Silence, but I can't really remember. Uh, but I have a question quickly for Nath and Josh. Um, was Corn born because of humanity's excessive violence? I swear I read that somewhere. Humanities. Yeah, because the there's a whole yeah, galaxy yeah, yeah. if you think about it. It's not just just yeah, humanity. Yeah, that's what was confusing me. I don't know why, why I would have read that because war existed in the galaxy long before humanity did. However, if you want to get into the, the deep forbidden lore as to where all the Chaos Gods came from, uh, they didn't actually 
like they weren't there from the the start of the universe they only popped up nurgle included old as he may be after the war in heaven yeah oh they were uh uh, an after effect of the old ones utilizing the warp for military means as much as they possibly could, and they royally pissed off the entirety of the Immaterium, which was just the regular emotions of every living being in the galaxy. And the war in heaven between the old ones and the Necrons, who I don't know which side of me they're on. They're on. They're on your 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 left. <laughs> this one. No, no, the opposite. <laughs> the other one. All right. These guys. The war between the old ones and these guys, basically riled up all of the emotional power of the universe and uh, splintered the somewhat peaceful immaterium into the four archetypes of having a bad time. Plague, <laughs> war, excess. I mean, excess didn't come in until the Elder's Orgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Just, yeah, I'm not sure what it exists as. like Maybe just like political machinations, backstabbing, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Just, yeah, just going behind your friend's be- betrayal, maybe. Lying, all that sort of thing. Fundamental aspects maybe. of intelligent life, maybe. They're representatives of the worst parts of intelligent life, basically. Well, back. Ted Nurgle, who's just <laughs> fucking over literally everyone and anything. He's entropy. He's which a is like, Yeah, he's an absolute king. I mean, every everyone... He is God. For some reason, every, every uh, Nurgle acolyte and underling loves Nurgle. I mean, he... Gifts them with his plagues. I, I, yeah, he's literally called Papa Nurgle. Yeah, but, but he's he's basically just drugging them with diseases. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, legit. It's, but... not, it's not a good time. <laughs> it's not a good time at all. But I don't know. There's, I, maybe like I'm not going to go as far as to say it's an original idea, but I've never experienced something like that um, in fantasy before. Well, I mean, it, it's, science fiction. It, it is. It is worth noting. I think with the release of the Dune movie, how much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, what, yeah. I mean, um, Frank Herbert wrote Dune in the 1970s, I think. So yeah. the emer- his ideas would be pretty would have been pretty popular around the time of the sort of inception yeah. of Warhammer 40k. And it, 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 the yeah. whole thing about a god emperor, all the um, yeah. that I mean, sort they of have the um, the equivalent of the Psychers, who are the ones who manipulate the warp agent, mm-hmm. um, called the, the Spacers Guild in Dune. Um, yeah, it's just the the the, the empire is literally called the Imperium. Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like. Warhammer, the Imperium of Man and Warhammer has gone far beyond what Dune was, but like, if you're going to take it back to the beginning like we have just now, it does feel like almost ripping off Dune, I'd say. Well, it's like they took the... Co- yeah. Sorry? They, yeah, 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 that's what I mean. It started as that. And so that now the Trader was literally just incredibly rich due to bunch of spaceship going around the galaxy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, all the 40k stuff was a, a backdrop. Except, yeah, and then Rogue Trader, they have uh, the people who pilot the ships, the navigators, yeah. Well, the exact same thing that they are in June. They're just navigators, weird psychic warp boys that can uh, yeah. fold time and space and do faster than light travel. So they're addicted to spice, the spice melange. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're addicted to anything in 40k. I think they're just, oh, yeah, no, 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 they're, they're, in, in 40k, they're, 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 they're like they are the same kind of thing, though, is they are part of a specific family and they're all inbred, yeah. right? Yeah. To have the third yeah. eye to, to, to perceive That's the astronomicon. Are they? Are they? I didn't I know they the are, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. They're, they're all like the navigators, not the psychers. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you can get general psychers. So, so, so as you'll see in, in Astartes, is there are psychers in it. Um, they basically utilize uh, the warp either, either unconsciously or consciously, uh, whether they're trained or not. Sorry. You just said you just said either consciously or consciously. Or subconsciously, I did say sub. Yeah, yeah. 
I didn't hear the sub. Oh, right. Well, Maybe. I did say subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, fair enough. So, yeah, and they, they uh, as you'll see, is that they're able, capable of stopping a full-blown Space Marine sprinting at them in midair. They're generally able to stop bullets, and they have all sorts of different effects that they can do, you know, blast people away, send lightning out of their fingers and stuff like that. But psychos are also very, very dangerous, is that they can effectively utilize the warp too much, in which they become... <laughs> effectively a living gateway to the warp which uh, allows demons that and such to come through yeah. so yeah. Uh, the Imperium of Man basically has very very strict policies against psychers unless they're uh, suitably you know, powerful enough to be trained they are effectively just hunted down by the Inquisition and uh, eliminated black, what are they called again the black ships yeah they're yeah, so, onto black ships to serve as sustenance for biggie well, that is a good point. We should probably should probably explain that with the consequences of the fallout. Well, the, the fallout of the Horus Heresy is so effectively the Emperor of Man is the leader of man. He is this all-knowing, all in, 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 in omnipotent sort of leader of mankind who sort of takes uh, control of planet Earth and then leads humanity to the stars. And so they have a sort of uh, following the sort of collapse of, of, of human society in the age of strife, sort of this sort of galactic empire. He sort of creates the space marines in effect in an effect in order to reconnect these disconnected human worlds and and a great crusade is launched to to reunite humanity under the imperium and it's you know during this great crusade that the horus heresy occurs and, and the rise of the chaos space marines happens yet uh, uh something you didn't mention the primarchs are pretty much clones of the emperor like yeah they're made from his gene seed which which and, so well, I was going to say, and consequently, all the space marines are then made from the gene seed of the primates. Yeah. So, like, certain chapters will effectively display certain gene- genetic traits like their primarch. So, uh, they can also sort of mutate in some ways. So, you do end up with um, some some weird ones. Like, the, what are they called? Um, the, the shark uh, chapter? The car... Oh. The, the, I don't know them. Carcorodons. Oh, the carcorodons or something. Um they're, they're quite interesting because they have like the largest space marine ever who ever lived. It's just like this enormous dude in, in, in uh, Terminator armor. I, mean, I can't remember what his name is. It's like Titus or something. But um, Ross. That's, a, that's it. Ross. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> enormous. Um, but yeah, they basically have like scaled skin and, and sort of like shark-like features based upon mutation of their gene seed. And um, yeah, so that effectively, <laughs> the problem with discussing Warhammer is it's impossible to discuss anything without discussing sort of all the background to it. So I'm sure. Yeah, which is yeah, which is what I mentioned. This is impossible. Yeah. It spirals, as you said. Yeah, but I think it's worth still having the conversation, right? Yeah, just, yeah. just to anyway. Go back to go back to the emperor. As you... Yeah, and yeah. so basically, following the Horus Heresy, there's a siege of terror. You know, humanity is about to fall, and so the emperor and uh, one of his chosen sons, Sanguinius, uh, sort of teleport aboard the uh, flagship of Horus, who is another Primarch who turned against, uh, who was the, the war ma- chosen warmaster of the Emperor. So he's leading the Great Crusade. And uh, yeah, basically he's empowered by the Chaos Gods, Horus. And so he, de- he defeats Sanguinius, he kills him, and he defeats the Emperor as well. And so, <laughs> although he's not dead, the Emperor is effectively interred within the Golden Throne and serves as a beacon, effectively, the Astronomicon. So his psychic power is so vast that he actually stands out as like a light, light, lighthouse in the warp. So it allows travel across, um, you know, across space and, and it allows the, the Imperium to keep existing effectively. But in order for the Emperor to stay alive in his tomb effectively, is he has to be fed psychers. I think it's like a thousand psychers. A thousand every day. Every day. 
So yeah. basically, he, he, he basically their, their bodies are just sacrificed to sustain uh, the Astronomicon, effectively. So. And isn't it most recently in the lore the Astronomicon has fallen? I believe so, with the Primaris the fall of, Crusade. The fall of, what's it called? Cadia. And the Astronomicon... I swear, like this was mentioned in the Lords of Silence, the Astronomicon is no longer there, and so the Empire has been split. Oh, the um, that is because the Eye of Terror had a little Pokemon evolution into whatever it's called now, and it basically cut the galaxy in half. And as far as mm. I'm aware, one side of Eye of Terror, Mark II, can't see the Astronomicon on the other side. Okay, okay. You can so, still see the Astronomicon if you're on the lucky side of the galaxy. If you're on the unlucky side, then things are have a bad time. Yeah. And uh, you can't context, do any FTL travel. Because in context, Aiden, the, um, astro- the, the Eye of Terror is a big hole into the warp, okay. um, which exists. I, I couldn't tell you exactly. Well, I know is the Fortress World of Cadia looks over it, and there's a specific Space Marine chapter that was created, or multiple chapters created to overlook uh, you know, to, to kind of be stationed on Cadia and protect the Eye of Terror or, you know, guard against the Eye of Terror. Keep oh, an eye okay. out. And then something happened. I'm pretty sure it was a... Um, the, a 13th, from Chaos. the 13th was Black Crusade of Abaddon. Yeah, the, yeah Abaddon, the, 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 the spoiler, I think his name was. Yeah. I'm not sure which Chaos God he's tied to. I think it might be uh, Chaos Undivided. But anyway, he launched the 13th Black Crusade and brought about the fall of Cadia and the destruction, well, the evolution of the Eye of Terror. So what, what, what is worth noting, though, is that, that it, this is still an evolving world, that we have, yeah. you know, decades worth of stories built upon this world, and they've changed, you know, either retconned some stuff or changed some stuff. But currently, mm-hmm. uh, where the sort of main storyline is, is that we are sort of, I think we're sort of entering the 42nd millennium, I think. Aren't we getting close yeah, to that? It's, it's towards the very end. changed. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> so I think it's... It has been stuck at 3,009, sorry, 4,999 for however many years i think it's time it might almost be tied with berserk for longest running standstill without moving the plot forward yeah it's it's like 13 years and i don't know how long 40k has been but if you think about it right with berserk literally nothing happens in the story but in in the the lore so many things happen in that one year you know so many (laughs) entering stories happen within that one year that is true so much like because it's encompassing an entire galaxy of various factions within various um races it's such a ridiculous amount of stuff happening that one year not including all the various the history of all that you know like yeah. it's it's a, it like it's a ridiculously detailed world created by lots of people like it's not just one person it's not like a tolkien lore master who's been sitting in a dark room for 50 years it's it's multiple people over the every year and new books come out josh and i recently read a book called the infinite and divine um which is a recently published book about the necrons and uh, the necrons here it's best really race. good yeah it's, it's clean i like the necrons a lot although i don't think they're the best race then again i yeah no that's the race that's a lot to have an incorrect opinion once in a while speaking of incorrect opinions how about we go around and say our best our favorite part of the universe be it race location event oh uh well you start then archie you start seeing as you're asking yeah, the question. well i mean my, my opinion is always going to be chaos but specifically nurgle fucking love Nurgle. Uh, the amount of times I've read the, the Nurgle wiki article from various sites, to, um, you know, 1D4chan, um, the Lexicon, what's it called again? Was there like a kind of wiki? Yeah, the Lexicon, and then of course mm. there's just warhammer40k.wiki.co.com and uh, I just I just love Nurgle. I love his aesthetic, I love, I love the idea of him, I don't know, I like the idea of entropy. 
I like gods who are based on entropy. Um, it's in other fantasy universes as well. I like this unique idea that however much he curses everyone, everyone seems to love him. You know, the whole idea of Pap and Nurgle. I like his various, like, um, the idea of, of the, his demons, like the great unclean ones who are just copies of him. Mm-hmm. Um, like monstrous copies of him who can actually exist outside of the Immaterium, the warp, um, because Nurgle cannot leave the warp. I'm not entirely sure why. Can any of the Chaos Gods leave the warp, Josh? I have no idea. I, I, swear, so. I swear I recently, because they are creatures, inherently pure creatures of the warp. So I, yeah. like, they are born of the warp, so I don't think they can leave it. Uh, because they are literally the fragment of the warp. As, as, as Josh said, when the warp fragmented, they were created. So it'd be like us trying to enter another, uh, whatever. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not. I'm not the dimension. The closest yeah. we can get is sending the greater demons over here to terrorize yeah. people. Yeah, well, the great unclean ones are the case in Nurgle. I don't know. I just, I just, I really like this idea. Of, like each, um, each uh, chaos god has its own realm. Um, be it Corn's, what are they called again? What is it? What Corn's lands called? Uh, I don't actually know. know. Because oh, I know, because there's the Garden of Nurgle. There's the yeah, like, which is what I was going to bring up. I love that stuff. Yeah, and there's, I, I'm, I sure, swear, Saints has like a maze, right? Yeah, like an infinite maze. Yeah, the labyrinth. What labyrinth? It's still a labyrinth. I think yeah, it's yeah. And I mean, I just, I really like the idea of this like blooming, disgusting garden that goes on forever and exists everywhere. You know, behind the scenes of the universe exists this monstrous, disgusting garden with horrifying things. I just like that idea, that image. Like, and then Nurgle looming tall over everything with his giant cauldron, creating disease after disease after disease. And I mean, I, I read somewhere, and maybe it was just a wiki article, that Nurgle, in a sense, is almost pure in his existence. He doesn't necessarily represent malice, because he almost represents rebirth, because with the death of things comes eventual life. When mm. bodies rot, they fertilize the land, and from that fertilized land, things grow. Nurgle stands for that. You know, while porn is just violence and violence and death and horror, there's something to be said about Nurgle in regards to his ties to the inherent natural flow of life in the universe. Yeah, that, 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 that's that's, he's that's like good and bad almost. He's he's more passively neutral, I suppose, and that, that yeah, he represents yeah, a sort yeah, of yeah. fundamental aspect of, of existence, right? That things degrade, things decay. But yeah. I also think Corn does as well, especially in the 40, Warhammer 40k universe, is that war is is you know. <laughs> ubiquitous right like you can't escape it every is war is, yeah. is, a, is a part of life and so you know it's, yeah. it's not so much just war it's also the struggle of life and death right that you know prey, yeah. and, prey and predator right but uh i mean josh what, what would you say was your favorite i mean you've made it clear that you have a bias towards the necron tier <laughs> but uh to be clear by the way if we're going to choose a favorite race my favorite race is the necron tier i just really like nurgle's part of chaos the most and i really really wouldn't really call chaos a race mm. yeah anyway josh. Very yeah. Proud. yeah yeah However, it has nothing to do with Necrons. Oh. My favorite part. It is the... All the spicy ironies that you get in the 40k universe. Whether it's from the Emperor when he tried unifying Terra and he outlawed religion because he used he viewed it as a tool uh. that the, uh, those in power used to subjugate the weak. Yeah. Fast forward 10,000 years and his desiccated husk is being worshipped by an entire galaxy-spanning Imperium, which he would hate the idea yeah. of. Yeah. Who, uh... He was enlightened, and mm. and then they used that enlightened modernity as a tool of oppression, which is what he hated. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a great thing. The very thing he hated. And yeah. then Magnus, the uh, Magnus the Red, one of the Primarchs, who is now elected Siege, mm-hmm. was originally, even during the Horus Heresy, one of the Emperor's supporters, uh, and he was advocating for you know the 
the rights of psychers to not be oppressed in the Imperium, and wanted to show the Emperor how useful they could be being a psyker himself. And in doing so, he tried to use his psyker powers to rush back to the Emperor. Oh, God. Happening. <laughs> and in doing so, broke what the Emperor was working on. He was tricked by Siege, sure, but he broke what was meant to be a replacement to what was at the time called the Pharos Beacon, which was the old Astronomicon, uh, and effectively doomed all psychers in the Imperium to an eternity of uh, being oppressed and subjugated by the Empire, because everybody views Magnus now as one of the arch-traitors behind the heresy, despite trying his best to stop it from happening. I read, I read, I heard somewhere that um, recent stories from the perspective of um, Magnus are actually, like, he comes off as a likable character. He, he, doesn't come off, he doesn't come off as um, even in even in his chaos version, he's actually like a decent person still somehow. You know, he like... currently in the forty-first millennium, uh, with the fall of Cadia, brought his planet Sartarius, the planet of the sorcerers, into the Materium, and is finally realizing his dream of a world where psychers aren't, uh, you know, prejudiced against, yeah. and it's being hailed as. Uh, a beacon of knowledge and the arcane, and isn't really affiliated with any of the Chaos Gods. It's also not affiliated with the Empire, so the Empire obviously hates it. Yeah. But it's not evil, it's just a bunch of nerds sitting in their wizard planet and doing magic. Something to be said about the Horus Heresy is that there were quite a few Space Marine Legions who didn't ally themselves either with Chaos or yeah. the Imperium. They just split off. They're, they're, yeah, they're, like, they're called... I think they're still part of the Traitor Legions, but they're not actually allied with chaos they're just their own thing i don't think they're that big and i don't think from the books i've read um they don't ever show up as as um as chapters they're more individual space marines who act as like you know like lonely bounty hunters and stuff oh um, well i mean there's, there's the whole sort of alpha legion isn't there the alpha legion is sort of effectively seen as almost a double agent within chaos potentially right I but the, i don't know that well the, well because yeah, Alpharus and Omegon is that they think one it's only one of the twins that actually sort of converted to chaos. Well, they converted to chaos. Is that they they sort of just sided with Her uh, they sided with Horus rather than effectively you know com com committing to chaos, right? And they've suffered extremely extremely low casualty rates. So they they sort of think it's like uh, potentially that there is rumor that within the sort of speculation of the community that they are sort of this linchpin almost as a sort of uh, double agent faction. Something Switzerland which, of the 41st millennium. <laughs> they took no sides. Yeah. Something which I've noticed in our conversation so far is we've been very, very focused on the Imperium, on Space Marines. I think there's something to be said about the wider stuff, like Tau, like Eldar, well, and Necrons. That's what I was going to say, because my favourite faction yeah. is, is, is the Eldar. So yeah. they were the first codex I got. Um, and I, I, I always, I always, um, I always like elf races and whatever. Like... I love the Tistandi and the Malazan. I love the Elizan in uh, Final Fantasy. I love the Elves in you know, Lord of the Rings. I always really like elf races, like long-lived, wise, and just all that sort of shit. It's really cool to me. So the Eldar are like the epitome of that. I mean, I, I, like, I do like the also, as you, you mentioned, Archie, sort of more philosophically, I do like the idea of a race becoming so advanced they just get bored and, and fuck the galaxy into oblivion. <laughs> Which, the yeah, I mean, so effectively, Eldar, the Eldar were a creation of the old ones who went to yeah. war with, with the Necron tier, but they effectively yeah. were and are genetically engineered to be extremely psychically uh, in tune. So they've, they've, they had a very, very strong connection with the, the warp and the Immaterium. 
And so basically each sort of everything that an Eldar would experience, that a human would experience, they would experience it tenfold because of the sort of psychic effect that they, they would experience for other, with everything. And so as they, they were, they, they effectively inherited the galaxy as following the war in heaven, there wasn't really any other factions to, to speak of. And the Eldar were highly advanced. They spread out across most of the, the majority of the galaxy. And, you know, they, they had uh, very, very strong psychic magic, very, very high level technology. And so they got, just got bored. <laughs> and so the, the birth of the Dark Eldar occurred in this very, very luxurious uh, sort of peak of a civilization. And Decadence. Decadence, effectively. Extreme, and so extreme decadence. The, the boredom that people had with not having any problems, there's no war, there's no famine, there's no nothing, They're, and coupled with their psychic connection to the warp, is that effectively uh, the fall of the Eldar occurred in which... There's so many, so many Eldar were putting so much pressure on the warp with so many decadent pursuits, and that as they, you know, they got more and more in search of a greater, greater sensation. They effectively went to, you know, the, the birth of Dark Elder. They went to more perverted things, and so effectively, imagine like an entire civilization of just BDSM enthusiasts, and so it basically made such an impact on reality that the weight of it led to the birth of Slanesh, the the, the fourth and final Chaos God. Well final chaos god yeah and as we mentioned it led, led to to the, the birth of the Ayotea where reality was literally fractured in half as Slanesh harvested the souls of, of trillions of Eldar in one instant so the Eldar are basically just this fallen race uh, they, they only live on craft worlds and they effectively have to yeah. keep shielding their souls from Slanesh who's, who's eager to, forget, to consume them don't forget to mention the web way by the way Oh, well, as as you mentioned about Magnus the Red, that's yeah. what he 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 fucked up. Is <laughs> the the emperor was effectively trying to connect or 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 build his own network of the webway, which is a thing that the well particularly the Dark Eldar use and, and the Eldar as well is an alternative to faster than light travel than going through the warp as as sort of the Imperium dub. So if you think if you think of the Imperium as sort of brute forcing your way through reality, uh, the webway is more of a sort of set highway you know it's following the roads rather than you know driving a, a monster truck across a field so it's, it's far more delicate and refined and it's far more safe you know you're not you're not exposed to, to the dangers of of, of demons and such well it was until magnus red fucked it all up and uh, opened yeah. opened the webway to, to the warp yeah. <laughs> right in the palace yeah. of terror but uh it's still sort of safe oh is it he, he fucked up the emperor's uh what do you call it bypass of the mm. webway I mean, their city is like built in the webway. So mm. I'm not even sure if the webway is. I think it's another dimension, I guess. And well, their city is in this other dimension. Doesn't it exist within the warp? Basically, the webway. Like, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think I it's a separate it was, thing. Is it highways that go through the warp, maybe? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty we should sure. Also, um, by the way, we mentioned it a couple of times and not explained it. We should mention the War in Heaven, because um, that's like the almost like, I mean, from the name, it's like the sort of the creation myth of Warhammer. Like every fantasy universe mm. has a creation myth, and it basically goes that actually, the, well, I think I'm going to try, Josh. Please supplement. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, it started off with the old ones who were the creators of the universe and they were just like the ultra original um, advanced species who laid the seeds for everything that exists so, but you know how like in every major old every fantasy and well uh, space opera universe there's always that old technology they they mm -hmm. were that old technology 
and they they had a war with the Necrons here, who um, were the the Necrons before they became monstrous machines, and um, that led to the creation of the Eldar. I think isn't that why the Eldar were created, or they been they were they were servants of the old ones, weren't they? Yeah, they were sort of production line made. I don't know if you know this now why the Eldar popped up, but the uh, the old ones were losing the war in heaven, hmm. and then they're. In their death throes, they were just hastily cobbling together whatever races they could. So they made the orcs, or the crocs, as they called them. Yeah. Uh, they made the Eldar. They made... They made some dwarves. Oh. I don't really care about. Yeah. Don't mention the squats. They don't exist. <laughs> they were officially retconned, and they uh, aren't in 40k anymore. That's a shame. Dwarves have no place in space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I know the orcs were made because the old ones were losing the war, and they were like, yeah. "Shit." I think the most fundamental event in the war in heaven, which has affected um, the, the the current stuff, is that the Necrons made a deal with what were known as the Catan, which were the star gods. I think they came even before the old ones. They were like mm. the equivalent of the um, the Lovecraftian gods of the Warhammer universe, giant star eaters, which would you know just consume entire stars and all that. And they made a deal with the the um, the, ne the Necrons here made a deal with the with the Catan, um, and in the process, shut they made themselves immortal, but put themselves into like mechanical bodies, which made them slaves to the Catan, and um, the Catan uh, the, the Necrons eventually rose up against the Catan, and traps them into well split them into Catan shards, I think they're called, right? Yeah, 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 and then the shards show up in various forms all over the place. Um, I think one of the Ultramarines omnibus involves a star shard of some some god. I think there's talk that the um, that the machine the machine god might itself be a star god. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Um, was it the Void Dragon anyway, on Mars or something, right? Which is... Yeah, or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely familiar. But anyway, then the Necrons shut themselves away to wait await the um, sort of the rebirth of civilization in the universe. I think, and now at the very uh, right now in the universe's law, the Necrons are now waking up. Uh, from the 10,000-year-old sleep. You missed an important detail. Though. Oh, no. What did I miss? Because that was the fifth edition of Necron Lore, which was oh. the old Necron Lore. Oh, shit. And uh, they didn't... What you described there was basically all the Necrons had in terms of backstory. The Eldar have fucking a god into, uh, into existence. The Imperium has the entire 40k timeline as history. The Necrons have just had that. They were like a Saturday morning cartoon for the old ones to fight against. Oh, and they won, them. and they didn't have anything to show for it. But when, I can't remember what edition it was, it might have been 7? I don't know. Uh, Games Workshop basically retconned the fact that the Catan enslaved the Necrons. Uh, by making the Necrons pull, a, pull out an Uno reverse card on the Catan after biotransference happened, they were ascended into their metal bodies, beat the old ones, and then, while the Catan were feasting on all the souls of the Old Ones, the Necrons, somehow, through some, I don't know, magical plot device, uh, broke free of their, their rule. And while they were all gorging themselves on the Old Ones, the, uh, the Catan, the Necrons shattered them into all the shards, and uh, imprisoned these shards. Which, I mean, is pretty good lore. Even if it's yeah. just mm. Mm. lore. It's really, really good lore. That's another um, spicy bit of irony that the uh, the king that ordered the biotransference in the first place because he didn't want to see his people as slaves to the uh, to the old ones saw them become slaves to the Catan instead. Felt yeah. really bad about it and just decided to go away and yeah. left the galaxy. Bumps into the Tyranids like ten, a hundred thousand years later and came sprinting back saying, "Oh crap, 
we got a bit of a problem. Um, Aiden, for context, the Tyranids are basically the Xenomorphs of the, uh, you know, like, the, yeah, the Zerg, if you know your StarCraft. Mm -hmm. They're just like a, a hive mind species of unstoppable, unkill, well, killable, but they're, they're, they just keep respawning. If a, if a Tyranid fleet arrives in your galaxy, you're done. No, you're done. You just, you probably just leave. You have no other, no option. They just eat everything. They amalgamate everything into themselves. Like, um, in the same way that the Xenomorphs can create different forms of themselves from different mm. creatures. Like, I don't know if you've seen Alien 3, but there's a, a Xenomorph yeah. dog in it, for example. Uh, and then, of course, there's a, the, in, in Alien vs. Predator, there's the Xenomorph Predator. Um, and the, in that same sort of way, the, the Tyranids create, you know, kind of Tyranid forms of whatever race they're fucking over in their process mm. of amalgamation. And uh, they're scary as hell. They're, they're completely blind. Uh, they're like a force of nature. You know, they're just violent and horrible and twisted, but they're completely natural. And nothing like the flood and halo. They're, like, they're, yeah. they're, they're yeah. inevitable. You know, they just cannot be stopped. No, they sound good. Yeah, mm. yeah it's, it's cool. I, I really like the Terrans. Um, my favorite Warhammer book is actually, much to my shame, an Ultramarines book about the, the fight against the Terrans. I'm not entirely sure where. We should probably explain the hatred of the Ultramarines. Of all the Space Marine chapters, the Ultramarines are the most basic. They're, they're so basic. They follow the Codex Astartes. Cringe. And, um, <laughs> I like the Ultramarines. I think the Ultramarines hate is so lame, man. People have been saying it for like decades. Dude, Codex Astartes, Grim. Like, the Codex Astartes is why the main character in that book series is banished to the Eye of Terror. Because he and a friend of his go inside one of the Hive ships and bring it down from the inside. And automatically, the higher the higher ups in the Ultramarines chapter are like, they're tainted by chaos. Get them out of here. Just because they did the impossible basically and went against the the, the codex of Stasis and saved mm. that galaxy you know like, I, I felt that shit I, I, I know all of these books says this bad yeah exactly you know like no 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 well you know I, 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 to be clear though you should if you want sort of like a lot like a wide encompassing look on the Warhammer 40k universe you should actually read Dan Abnett's Warhammer uh, Ultramarine's Omnibus because like it deals with the uh, um, it deals with the Eldar, the Dark Elder, the Tau, the Tyranids, and Chaos, all together. But, mm. it, but it, the, the, you know, it's like a really, really, like, that's that was how I first experienced Warhammer properly, those books. So that's a, it's a really good entry point, it's well written, it's entertaining as hell. Um, and they're like, there are quite a few of them, so, you know, it's, it's okay. yeah. I don't know if I have them anymore, but they're worth reading, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dan Abnett's pretty much led the charge in terms of, uh, you know, revamping the law and stuff like that, hasn't he? He's, 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 yeah, he's quite, like, quite well regarded. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's the guy responsible for the Ultramarines, but whatever. I thought, I thought, um, I, I always see that the, the, um, was it Matt Watson or whatever? Was, was, oh, wait, sorry. Or, don't mention oh. his name. Well, I was wrong. Um, this guy, Matt, is the one who wrote the Ultramarine series. Dan Abbott did a whole bunch of other stuff, including the Imperium. Oh, and yeah, he, he's the guy responsible for the Imperium lore, isn't he, Josh? Imperial, oh. Imperium of Man, Dan Abbott. Dan yeah, like he wrote the for the Imperium lore. He wrote um, Eisenhorn. He wrote that other thing which I got. What was it? The one that you suggested that TG liked. The one about the 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 the, um, the oh, what was his name? Oh, I know what you're talking about. The uh, not the Inquisitor, the Commissar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, the Gods. Mm. He he wrote those, which is endless, and they're like a really good look into the Imperium of Man, the 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 army of the Imperium of Man, not the Space Marines, but the actual rank and file, who are pretty much just normal humans. And like again, that's why I think Josh, you really like that because it's a look into how real humans exist in a world like that, surrounded by space marines who are basically gods. The things they fight are literally horrifying. 
I mean, the only way the Imperium of Iran really works as an army is just by throwing corpses at things and hoping that eventually they win. Obvious. Yeah. Like, the best character in the entire 40k universe in the form of Alanius Pius. Who's he again? So when you were talking, Nath, about the, um, the Siege of Terra and Sanguinius and the Emperor jumping onto Horus's ship and facing him down, after Sanguinius was cut down by Horus, there was a... Uh, as, as Horus was walking to, to deal the final blow, a lone guardsman called Alanius Pius jumped up in front of him with his little flashlight, his little las gun, and basically held him back while I think the Emperor was wounded and recovering as well, and almost single-handedly. <laughs> by uh, distracting Horus enough with the sheer size of his balls, managed to buy time for the Emperor to regain his footing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he was killed horribly. But imagine standing up in the face of a literal demigod with yeah. basically a toothbrush that you know is not going to kill him just because of the, the strength of your faith. Uh, Aiden, you have to understand that the Space Marines are crazy. Like, every human who sees a Space Marine is just like, holy fuck. They, 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 their minds are blown all the time. And then we have Primarchs who are just literally demigods. You know, like, they're just, yeah, like crazy power. Uh, which is what, what makes Warhammer so cool, I think. This this crazy concentration of immense power amongst so many characters. Like, a lot of fantasy has characters like Gandalf and stuff, who are really powerful, but most people are just normal. But then Warhammer is so all-encompassing that literally everything is just ridiculous. And it's what makes it really entertaining, in my opinion. No, okay, I can see that. I mean, yeah. you, you kind of get a glimpse of that. Um, obviously, uh, when I was watching the video, like, um, the, you know, bit where one of the Marines gets sucked in and his arm, like, is obviously chopped off, and, like, yeah. doesn't, doesn't, there's not even a recognition that his arm just fell off. He's just kind of carrying yeah, on with like, things. It's like, and, and that that was kind of, again, then I was like, okay, so these guys are hardcore. I'm, I'm about that. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, they're so, yeah. really, really hardcore. And, by the way, if you were wondering, those things in his head, those little metal pins yeah. that represent a century of life or service. Okay. In, um, yeah, did you not know that? No, 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 no. They represent a century... A century in service of the emperor. Oh right, I, I, even I didn't actually know that. Yeah, that's that's mentioned in a book somewhere. I'm not entirely sure which one. It's probably the Ultramarines one. I'm afraid. Oh right, that's yeah, cool. I think, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. The new lore for you guys. It's a small thing, but it's there. But that's the, um, thing, that's the whole thing about 40k. There's just so many small things that add to this whole big picture. Like yeah. our conversation, right? We could talk for literally hours on this. I mean, we've almost done an yeah. hour. But I it's, think well, it's worth it. It's just because you know, as we're the Nerd Impact podcast, this is. A, a series that you know i've 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 not a series but a universe is the only way of saying it correctly and yeah. or accurately is is being a part of my life for decades and you know like I, I remember when i was back in australia using my school issued ipad to just sit on off the edge of my bed uh reading the warhammer wiki for hours on end after school and it's just like same thing but not on an ipad but not on a laptop just sit in the corner of the dining room on the laptop yeah. one screen was runescape and the other was Warhammer Universe lore. Just yeah. grinding out wood cutting while reading lore is great. I mean, like, yeah. the, the, you can still get, get I mean, uh, there's particularly fantastic channels that will discuss Warhammer lore. Like on, on YouTube, yeah. there's uh, Major Kill, uh, if you, you're autistic and like Australian people. Um, <laughs> and then there's also uh, Luton for more more, more well-adjusted people, who, who, who I, I listen to a, a lot when I, I go to bed at night yeah. is to sort of fall asleep to. He does fantastic, really well-constructed videos about... In, in, in sort of more wider reaching sort of more general aspects of the Warhammer law and also quite specific aspects which he does fantastically but yeah I mean 
consuming Warhammer content, there's there's you know there's so many ways of doing it, but there's probably few, fewer now than before almost because we haven't had a war a good Warhammer game since Warhammer Space Marine. And Space Marine. Space Marine. Battlefield Gothic Armada. Well, oh, true. Yeah, sorry. No, well, maybe, re- maybe rephrase well, it. Superior. There's limited selection, I'd say. Yeah, the main characters are Space Marines, the Ultramarines, that's the point. But Mark Strong does voice one of those Space Marines, which is a saving grace, in my opinion. He, he, he voices the main character, Captain Titus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, so, like, that game is great. Like, um, it has a, this is, this, like, it's easily consumed. You don't really need to know too much. It takes place on a forge world, which is a sick mm. location. Like, you don't know, they even should probably explain that as well. Um, another faction of the Imperial land who technically exists separate, but are in kind of like a deal, basically, with the Imperium, are the, um, I've forgotten their name, stuff, the, the Adeptus Mechanicus, mm. who are um, responsible for the technology of the Imperium. They're an amazing army. And they have these worlds called Forge Worlds, which are where the, the great armies of the Imperium, their, their tanks, their titans, all these things are created. And the game takes place on a, 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 a besieged um, Forge World where orcs have invaded. And it's just, it, you can probably get it on your Xbox if you want to play it. It, it, okay. it plays a lot really of these war. It's that kind of game. You know, gun, gun, gun fights and chainswords. Chainswords, yeah. Iconic, those things. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if... Huh? What? Like the old God of War games. Yeah. Also, yeah. Gears of War, I think. And then it's really? just a lot of running around and hacking and slashing. I don't know. I feel like the hack and slash combat in Gears of War is there. Um, there, there isn't hack and slash combat. The stuff. The chain stuff. The same kind of like visceral violence, sure. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was more thinking about the fact that I was comparing it to Gears because a lot of Space Marine can just be played with a gun. That's true. Yeah. Like, um, like sure, you can go full melee and it's very entertaining squashing orcs. Like the the gibbing is just amazing. Why um, why would you ever not use the thunder hammer? Like thunder hammer plus plasma uh, pistol is all you need. I don't use the thunder hammer, bro. Chainsaw all the way. That's I mean, the chainsaw is incredible. Chainsaw. You can't beat chainsaw it. Chainsaw is amazing. It's just it's so good. But um, just in general, like that is the in the peak of like the classic cinematic triple A game. That is the best we've seen so far. Like obviously, as Josh mentioned, there've been a lot of other Warhammer games. Um, I mean, the Dawn of War series, which are the best strategy Warhammer mm. 40k games mm. that exist. There's Battlefleet Gothic Armada, the two of them. Then, of course, there's the upcoming Dark Tide, which is the oh, De- uh, Space Hulk Deathwing as well. Oh, Space yeah. Hulk Deathwing, which. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, that's maybe a middling experience, not necessarily yeah. very expansive on the lore, really invest you in the world, but. They, they nail the aesthetic, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's that's more of a niche thing, uh, but. Yeah. yeah um, but uh, Dark Tide, I think, is the the one on the horizon which everyone's looking forward to. Um, I think it's so cool. Set on, not sure what the name of the world is, but it's a hive world. Hive world's uh, in where the um, the human the, the human population lives. Um, okay. They're mm. monstrous cities which are like as tall as the sky and house billions. And between the various hive cities that make up a hive world, it's just a wasteland of nothing. It's disgusting. Okay. It's horrible, but, you know, it's just yeah. yeah. What's the other game? That just came out. Oh, like Necromunda. Necromunda. Yeah, Necromunda. Yeah. That's um, Discount Doom Eternal. That's uh, um, Doom Eternal Warhammer flavor. Yeah, yeah. And it has um, incredible environments. Yeah, once again, it's by the guys who made uh, Death, Deathwing and the the environments. They, they know they're Warhammer. Like, they're, they're not quite that good at designing games, but their Warhammer knowledge is incredible. Um, and they're, they're, they're clearly passionate about Warhammer more than most, I'd say. Because it, it, it does seem yeah. to be the. the 
it does seem to be the case with with the games you do have to sort of almost sacrifice uh, consistency with the law to the gameplay quality, right? Is that like yeah. the more the more the more painfully adherent they are to pre existing law to you know uh, to actually expanding things with the gameplay? It's it's kind of like a, a toss up between the two, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Games Workshop is a, a pretty massive assholes when it comes to letting people do things. I was, I'm actually surprised that they let Creative Assembly, they gave them so much free, uh, freedom with that. Like creating, for example, creating, what's that, that army they've created? For the new Cafe. Yeah, I mean, they still made the models for them. They didn't let Creative Assembly come up with the models. They came no, up with the models. They let no. Creative Assembly then like put them into their game. Oh, okay, fair enough. I, just, I don't know, I just feel like Creative Assembly have lucked out with the, the sort of approach that Games Workshop have given them because Games Workshop, as we mentioned with this whole fan made content, there's this huge fan made scene on YouTube and other um, websites. And then as soon as Games Workshop notices they're popular, they buy out all the um, the fan created stuff and then ban anyone from making any more, and then lock all the current stuff behind a paywall. Yeah, you know, instead of just making their own and letting others do their own thing, no, they have to own it all, and they're not even doing that much. Warhammer Plus is nothing on it, you know, like nothing, like it. It's crazy to me how this 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 um, IP, which is pr- literally perfection when it comes to like space fantasy, is is so underutilized. I mean, his workshop has the p- potential for TV shows, games. Well, they've obviously got books already, but you know, TV shows, games, films. I, you know, like maybe it's it's hard to market something that is so extremely violent, but you know, like the world has moved towards the M-rated more and more and more over time with Death mm. and Deadpool and. Wolverine, the idea of M-rated superhero stuff is okay and is more popular and, you know, like the sort of morally grey dark stuff is more and more, people more and more open to it. And thanks to Game of Thrones, the executives are aware that fantasy is popular. So, you know, it just, yeah, it it doesn't make sense to me that it's uh, so underutilized. And I I think as well, with such a vast world, as as, as you can, you know, if you're listening to this, you can probably gather that we've gone on so many different tangents, is that you could easily make a TV show with the core concepts, but expand upon that and really like build your own niche in this world because it is so, it's so so, so rock solid in some ways, but also sort of flexible as a whole, I guess, is that you could change a lot of things about it within a TV show without affecting the overall sort of uh, integrity of it, right? So you could have like niche storylines set within the story, uh, like set within the universe, without affecting you know the wider plotline and stuff. So the you, masters won't get pissed off, basically. Exactly. So you're basically pr- protected from sort of fan base backlash by having that sort of space to operate in. So I, it, it, you are right, Archie. It's 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 almost embarrassing how much they they they, they have the lengths they go to protect their IP without utilizing the IP to the extent which they could is is it's almost yeah. backwards, right? It's completely backwards. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. I realise, by the way, that we haven't mentioned Warhammer Fantasy at all. Well, you did sort of uh, di- diverge straight into talking about Warhammer Three and and that without, uh, you know, sort of predicating the fact that that is Warhammer yeah. Fantasy, which is in fact yeah. a very similar, well, in some regards, similar in that it has similar factions, uh, but mm-hmm. it is a entirely different world, effectively. Once upon a time, they used to be connected, but then they wrecked on that, which is disappointing to say the least. Yeah. And about the same time, they deleted fantasy because wasn't making Games Workshop enough money. Yeah. And it wasn't as easily copyrightable as everything in 40k, as you were saying. That they're very, very uh, territorial with their IP, and everything in fantasy was, you know, elves and dwarves. And you can't copyright the name elf, but you can copyright the name Dwarden. So they instead wreck on fantasy. Oh, sorry. 
deleted fantasy and made Age of Sigmar instead, which is, which is much more easy to uh, enforce copyright law over. Yeah. Do you so think that's why they aren't making TV shows and movies because they're so protective and they have to give that creative freedom to a director, the, to they, writers? They have the money to create mm. their own studios. They're ridiculously rich. Like, they are, like, you know, a billionaire company. They could do that. They could just create their own studios and then have control of what's being made. They wouldn't have to hire out outside help. But then again, that can also that can also backfire, you know, look at studio interferences with, like, Warner Brothers and stuff. Mm. Yeah, films are absolute dog shit, so... <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I can maybe, see. Maybe, maybe in the future we'll see some new CEO, some new yeah. enlightened CEO who's, like, Let's market this to a wider audience. You I know, think you're right. But right now, the old guard of the, the the sort of board for Games Workshop are just assholes. I mean, from um, what I've heard this episode, like I would love something, especially you know, if they wanted to gain new audiences, mm. that'd be the most successful way is getting a TV show yeah. or a movie. You know, yeah, start yeah. start from a somewhat good jumping off point and work from there. You know, no, I, just do something like the Imperium of Man because the Imperium of Man is so small and so easily recognizable, and the idea of the Imperium of Man interacting with alien races, they would, the audience would empathize more with mm. the Imperium of Man because the Imperium of Man of the rank and file experiencing something totally alien to them. That's like that's that's an easy idea to adapt. I mean, sure, the the CGI would be insane, but in regards to writing a story surrounding that whole idea, it would be a lot easier for, to get the audience to to emotionally empathize with that. You know, it's, it's, it's easy, mm. I'd say, on a storycraft level. So, um, coming back to someone like What's myself... This? Sorry, Josh, come no, That wasn't very good. What did they do? One of the few things that is on Warhammer Plus is Hammer and Bolter. Oh, I had not seen that. I'm watching the Imperium fighting some orcs, and it's an animated show. But if you compare that with another animated show from a studio that's recently gone into the uh, animated show scene, like Arcane from League of Legends, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it Workshop's attempts to go into animated stuff after blitzing all the creators making free content for them was pathetic. See, that's what I don't understand, right? Like, the free content that they were creating was driving up sales and interest in the Warhammer universe for free. Free advertising. Like, people would, would see Astartes and be like, Warhammer 40k, and they would open this huge, like, like floodgates of books, of models, of lore books, of whatever. Like, video games. For free. They would draw attention to them for free and no, let's get rid of that, let's lock it behind a paywall. That goes on nicely to what I was going to ask. So for yeah. someone like me, who's, you know, only just watched Astartes or, you know, wanted to get into it more, maybe for listeners, what would be the, I suppose there's too many, but what would be some of the best starting points for someone to get into it and then go off on their own path? I'm afraid of reading reading books i mean that's um, fine for someone like me but yeah yeah that's... like that wait what would you say josh reading shitpost articles on 1d4 is a is a like a, a sort of like a parody wiki which is like yeah. made up of the created by these like degenerate old school warhammer fans who react badly to literally anything that's released that goes against what they think warhammer should be it's very entertaining read like they, they know their yeah, stuff yeah, accurate, but also funny. Yeah, you know? oh, I that as well. You, you do understand lore from it, but it's also hilarious. And you also have wiki articles on the various homebrew made-up chapters, like the Angry Marines, who are just TG uh, tabletop gaming fans 
manifested in a space marine chapter so the joke is they're always really really angry their, their slogan is always angry all the time uh there are a lot of funny little anecdote written things with of, of um imperial um people interacting with the angry marines they just appear out of nowhere smack everyone kill everyone and leave it's great i love it and then of course there's the pretty marines who are disgusting <laughs> they're like dead boy space marines uh, it's, it's funny you know it's just its own thing um but you know they already like, exists as the emperor's children Oh, yeah yeah but i mean basically what we're trying to say with this is that all this exists because of a very passionate fan base yeah you know like people can dive into these things via wiki or book or whatever and explain experience so much i know we mentioned earlier that it's, it's becoming harder and harder to actually get any of this without paying huge amounts of money um but like it depends on what you want like if you if you don't want to read a book or whatever then it's harder but like if you're okay with reading there's a huge amount there is a huge amount um you know like wiki articles books anything you want really. okay um well worth it but anyway back to warhammer fantasy which is josh's territory oh. or is it maths well i mean uh, you basically just mentioned about warhammer total war warhammer 3 so you know yeah. i suppose uh total war is effectively a long-running series of uh RTS style game, so you know you must play Total War Rome. Do you remember that? Yeah. So you control like units of soldiers, and effectively, it's Total War Three is the third of the trilogy of games set within the Warhammer Fantasy universe. So again, very similar to Forty K, but as Archie mentioned, is that they've actually added in well, they've created for the game the newest release. They purposely created new factions. So like the, I, I think the Ogre Kingdoms existed in the actual tabletop, but Cathay is a whole new sort of faction that wasn't didn't have a codex, wasn't developed. So yeah, it's just like if, if you if you enjoy Warhammer 40k for its scale, then but you maybe perhaps want something a bit more medieval almost, uh, then 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 Warhammer 40 you know, fantasy or as it is in the I guess the old world as it's effectively known, is is quite good and has some fantastic characters in it. Um, uh, Tyrion being one of them. Uh, it's <laughs> very much as developed and and detailed as 40k, but constrained within one planet instead of yeah. the universe. So, so this, the scale isn't as incomprehensible, and it's perhaps yeah. a bit more constrained. Yet, it's also mm -hmm. quite, you know, quite apocalyptic and still grim, dark, but maybe not to the same excessive extent. Far more, more fantasy effect than the, than sort of just ridiculousness that, that, that Warhammer Forty K gets to, I guess. Yeah, but um, I mean, it does it does have some connections to Forty K. Like, for example, the Chaos Gods are the same. Yeah, um, yeah, including the new one. What's the new one called? The Great Horned Rat or something. Oh yeah, Probably. yeah. Is he, isn't the he a chaos god? Well, Major Sigmar, yes. Yeah, Sigmar party. Yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that. I've merged. Yeah, well, true. I think um, it's, it's worth explaining the the end times, right? Because effectively, how yeah. uh, as as Josh mentioned, and you probably know more about the end times than I do, Josh. But um, effectively, Warhammer Games Workshop, as you said, couldn't defend uh, the the generic fantasy tropes of their characters from their within their IP, so they effectively used the law and they had to create a reason in the law as to how the world gets changed so they can protect their IP. <laughs> so a very business driven law revamp, but basically the end times is the, the end of, uh, the world of, of, of Warhammer effectively, uh, Archeon the ever chosen, uh, becomes the, the chosen of all four chaos gods and leads a united, uh, chaos army including the skaven against the forces of order and they effectively destroy the entire planet effectively is, is my understanding of it i don't know if all the while the forces of order are tripping each other up because uh the plot had to be furthered somehow mm. 
So it wasn't particularly yeah. clean. I would say that there was a lot of uh, law. Uh, misunderstanding or direct ignoring of sort of the importance of certain characters and and, and their their abilities which sort of they had to create reasons as to how such an event could occur right yeah and they also had to create reasons why some big big players in the fantasy world were suspiciously missing sort of forgot to save the date for the end times yeah didn't throw in there throw in during the final fights uh overall yeah i'd say the end times despite the fact that it gets some TG nightmares very angry. Um, overall, they're good. The, the end time stories, there are tons of books. Fantasy compared to 40k never really had as much um, content made for it as 40k because it was all, always the lesser, the less popular one. Yeah. End time changed that because the while it's a joke that in 40k the plot never moves forward, despite the fact that it just recently has, the plot never moves in fantasy. And it had stayed there for like two decades. And then they just went, okay, end times, world's over. Here's a new uh, Age of Sigmar thing. But all of the end times stories were really interesting. Uh, and a lot of the factions got some good development in them. Granted, they were then immediately thrown in the bin and replaced by the replacement faction in uh, Age of Sigmar. But Creative Assembly gets to keep Warhammer Fantasy for making uh, the tabletop. Uh, sorry, not the tabletop. Total War Warhammer Fantasy. One thing surviving. Um, in Nathan, uh, Josh are a lot more into fantasy because of Total War Warhammer, which I'm not a big fan of. I don't like strategy games very much. Um, but I, there's one thing about Warhammer Fantasy which I think beats out everything, which is the Skaven. I love the Skaven. <laughs> uh, the Skaven are um, rat men um, who were created. I can't. I don't remember the lore exactly, but the, the story goes that this weird hooded man appears in some city. And it's just something about a bell, Josh. Do you know what? I, do, you know, do you know the story? I, think I remember the story. Yeah, it's really Yeah, like read read the wiki article on the creation of the Skaven because it's a, it's a it's a very good little short story in and of itself, and it's really mystical and weird and scary and suggestive. It's like good ambiguous horror. And okay. Then mm, it's pretty good. And they uh, they have this giant. They have the is it called the it's not called the Undercity, is it the Under Network or something? The thing underground that connects everything. The Undercity, you know? yeah, the Under Undercity. It's yeah. The Undercity. yeah, it's like the Undercity, which is this endless network of rat warrens that spread throughout most of the known world. And um, it's, they've got various cool factions that interact with each other, like um, Clan Pestilence, which is great. <laughs> Even though for some reason Clan Pestilence has nothing to do with Nerval, apparently. Um, but I, I could be wrong there. Am I, am I wrong? They're associates. They are associates, okay, cool. Um, and then they have. Worshipping Nerval. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they must have something to do with Nerval because of the Pestilence, right? Yeah. But then, then they have the vermin tide, which is when they arise. Like the 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 networks of the undercity spread to like various human cities, and then the vermin tide rises up from above, and it's like an ap- apocalyptic event where the entire city is overwhelmed by giant ratmen. Vermin tide. The games are set during a, a vermin tide. You know, it's it's cool. It's, I, I love it's it. Very end times as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it. Yeah, like it. Yeah, I like that a lot. I don't know. I just like this like this image of rat men. It's it's disgusting and horrifying and cool, my opinion. Yes, they're the only race that have uh, contacted the Eldar. In oh, the yeah, yeah. yeah when they accidentally built basically a giant radio transmitter because they were trying to listen in on the uh, on like Teclas and Tyrion's plan over in the the Elven continent, they missed with their direction of the antenna and instead contacted a space elf Eldar craft world. Uh, <laughs> and we're incredibly confused 
See, that would have been like that. That is why the rep, the, the the creation of Age of Sigma for me is so sad because they could have done so much with the connections, you know, like having the Skaven interact with the Eldar. Mm -hmm. They could have done anything. I mean, in the original lore, um, this was just one planet in the Warhammer fan in Warhammer Forty K's world. The old ones created. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the the same sort of thing, right? The orcs in uh, fantasy were the same orcs as 40k, but that changed. Um, so I, I feel like they let themselves down there, personally. Um, but yeah, you know, again, I don't think to them the story matters as much as selling mods, little figures. Um, sadly. Yeah, well, I, I guess that we've covered pretty much, I think in some degree, almost touched on as much as we can of the, the, the yeah. wider Warhammer universe, including, you know, not just 40k, but also fantasy. And I think you know, that's kind of what we wanted with this discussion is, is to show that, you know, for people who haven't engaged with any Warhammer content, like, like Aiden here, who sat and listened to us talk about all these things without much context, which I appreciate. But um, yeah, if, if there's anyone listening, I think um, definitely a world worth engaging in. And because it's so vast, you will find something in it which you enjoy. Like they have so many different types of stories. They have heists, they have, uh, you know, spy thrillers, they have, you know, uh, straight up war, war War military, stories, military, military sci-fi, yeah, kind of horror. The horror is the best part for me personally. Yeah, it's such an expansive world. Yeah, yeah, there's a body book drama. It's been over a thousand years, ten thousand years. Amazing book, World War Three. Yeah, the Infinite and Divine will give you a bit of sort of uh, cosmic comedy, I guess, is the yeah, best way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, that's funny. That book is funny. It's but great. um, yeah, I think I thank you guys for for, for joining us for this, and uh, you know, I hope Aiden will. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not I've be learned too a lot. No, uh, like you said, there was a lot to listen to, and that's why I've been quite quiet this episode. Mm. But it's in it's, it's captivated it's, it's captivated me. Like I I will probably go and read stuff, uh, mm. you know, over the next few days, and you know, try and not catch up because I don't think I can. <laughs> but, um, definitely, definitely, you know get my foot you know dip my toe in it mm. sounds like there's a lot and like i said there's lots of different things to explore you know and then yeah. there's some things that are to my taste so yeah, yeah. definitely uh, really interesting guys thank you yeah no worries well what's thank next by the way uh what, what is next kick, kick, kick ass. ass yeah i think we're discussing 2011 film kick ass so this Wait, when is that? i can definitely come for that I think that's next Tuesday. I think we're doing that. Tuesday? Yeah, can we call it Tuesday? Yeah. I don't know. I need to rewatch that though. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, and yeah, uh, yeah we'll hopefully see you next week for, for Kick Ass. Yeah.